Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And today's guest, I'm so excited because it could not come at like a more timely time in our life and our personal and professional life. And today we're going to be talking with a mindset expert and I'm so excited. And so he's really had this transition from entrepreneur to being an entrepreneurial leader and he's going to share with us about cognitive styles. Now, don't geek out. You will want to listen to the whole thing because really the fact of this is, is the greatest teams, they're really assembled when, when we're at the forefront of thinking and creating the conditions for your team to appreciate and develop like their unique gifts. Um, entrepreneurship is hard, ladies and gentlemen, you know this, but it's a fun journey, right? And it's, it's so much more about making money. And, um, you know, for the first several years of me being an entrepreneur, I thought I had money, but then I hired a real accountant and I realized that I was broke AF. So it's all about the true human potential in the entrepreneur, being a leader, building the right team, and having the right mindset. So with that said, Joe Trodden, welcome to Business Unveiled. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Angela. Thanks very much for having me on. Awesome. So before we jump in and talk about creating clarity, which is like my favorite word this year, because I'm like, what the hell is 2020 doing to us? <laughs> it's not creating clarity. And so I'm super pumped about you sharing, like, how the hell do we find clarity in our business with all of the noise right now? But I want to back up. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up. How did you become interested in like studying the mind and how did you become a mindset expert? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Timeline Genius. Timeline Genius has custom-made templates for wedding planners, event planners. It has all of the vendor contact information in there. And basically, you don't have to do the same thing over and over. And it's fully customizable. It's tailored timelines for each and every client. You can share with the client, which can cut your emails down by hundreds a day. I know because I tracked it and I did it. And it can save you printing. You can export it to a PDF, put it in Dropbox, there's multiple pricing tiers, or you can get unlimited timelines. 
Give it a try. bit.ly slash AP Timeline Genius. Okay, so I I grew up in a really small village. There was about 12 houses and a phone box. Um, It wasn't particularly cosmopolitan, but (laughs) I loved that. And actually, um, that... I think that shaped quite a lot for me in terms of just running around free and um, being able to sort of express myself and everything. It was a, a great childhood. Um, and through my working life, uh, I did the kind of autopilot thing of going on to university um, because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, when you get good grades, you're supposed to go to university. Uh, I did law at university. How dull that was! What an absolute waste of time. Uh, but this is what yeah. I felt I was I was, <laughs> I was right. supposed to do. Um, but I knew actually when I finished that degree, I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, and I thought, do you know what I like? Money. Money's a good thing. And all the money was in IT. So then I did a conversion over to that. Worked in IT projects for about seven or eight years. We oh. just had my wake up moment of um, walking into work, you know, it's probably the same route I'd taken a thousand times before and just going, what, what am I doing? Like, this is not, I just don't care what happens. You know, I don't care mm-hmm. if the IT systems are working today or if, you know, the internet <laughs> connection's faster than it was yesterday. I just don't, somebody needs to care about that stuff, but it isn't me. Right. So <clears throat> from, from there, uh, it's interesting because I felt, to change careers, I needed, because I'd, you know, a reasonably smart guy and academia had been part of my life, I felt I needed like academic permission to switch careers. Mm. So I, I did a, a distance learning degree on psychology. I'd always been interested in people's minds. Um, from there, I worked for a youth charity. I set up my own social enterprise business. Um, and I've always been interested. It was weird because I, I, like, I didn't need to do that degree, but there's just something in me that felt like, well, you know, you need somebody's permit. You need a bit of paper to go and pursue your dreams. Um, but from there, I, I'd always been interested in social change and making the world a better place. And ultimately, it's, it's business that drives that. You know, it's business that shapes the world. Yep. So after setting up my own social enterprise, I was more interested in the macro environment. How do multiple businesses work? How does how is this landscape really being shaped? So a role came up with a company called Entrepreneurial Spark, which was uh, coaching entrepreneurs, life changing experience for me. But working in that niche, I recognised that I wanted to work with a specific set of entrepreneurs. Um, so I left there and set up for myself uh, about two and a half years ago now, working specifically with entrepreneurs who are past their startup stage and looking for their next level. It's a really exciting space because things are always happening and there's progress. So uh, that's where I, I got to. But it's interesting because a lot of the the smartest entrepreneurs that I surround myself with and I follow and I listen to and I listen to their books, it seems like they either take two paths. One is they grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, which I did mm. not. And then two, they start on this path. They go to college. They do, you know, the, the I don't know what they call it in Scotland here. It's like the American dream with the white picket fence and okay. whatever. Ha ha. The American dream. That's yep. a joke. So it's like, that's what you think you're supposed to do. Um, and then it takes us a little bit of time to really figure out who we are and mm. what we're going to thrive at. 
And so those of us who take that route of, you know, trying to work at the same company or doing different things, like we're following our heart, we're following our passion as cheesy as it sounds. It's like, we're on the hunt for something that is going to fulfill us and do more than just like show up at work every day. And so, um, but you know, good for you because there's a lot of people that I know in my parents' generation that they just sit at their cubicle nine to five for 35 effing years Mm -hmm. and then their life is over, (laughs) you know? So it's just, um, I think like we're in such different times. I'm so glad that I live in this time where entrepreneur is, cool and supportive. I still don't even know how to spell it correctly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love that you've had that transition. And so talk to us a little bit, which I love that you went to that psychology degree. And mm. so I, we use a methodology called true colors. Have you, are you familiar with it at all? Um, I don't think so. Is it anything like disc? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very similar to like, it's a, it's a team building where like disc and Myers-Briggs and Enneagram. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, they, um, most of them, you know, are like you do it with you in the computer and then you spit the results out and then some Mm -hmm. leaders do something with it and some don't, but true colors is more of like a team building activity. And so I would guess that you are a green meaning, um, high greens, like they're very knowledgeable. They love analytics. They love research. They love school. They love to learn new things and having that degree and that piece of paper, um, and the validation of doing something, they have to feel prepared. Otherwise they, they're not the type of people that are like, we'll fake it till we make it. (laughs) Like they just don't, they don't do that. And I'm the complete opposite. And so the green team members on my team, they call me reckless sometimes. And they're like, but you've never even done that. You don't even know what you're doing. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like, that's my life is like, I've tried new things. I've tried new opportunities and you fell fast. And that's how you get up and you become better. And you have to push the boundaries a little bit, right? So how did you become an expert in like studying the cognitive styles and what exact for those of us who don't have a psychology degree, which that's what I went to school for, but what does that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start there. (laughs) Sure. So when you look at um, mindset as a whole, it's a, it's a tricky word because it means different things to different people. But for me, mindset and cognitive style are, are pretty much wrapped together that it's basically how you interpret and perceive the world and then how you react to it. You know, when you talk about the your approach there of fake it till you make it and just go out and make the things happen, yeah, I am different to that. And you can't teach me to be the way that you are and you can't teach you to be the way that I am. And why would you want to do that? You know, it's about the, the compositions of, of people. So when you think about um, how it is that you approach the world, you know, Myers-Briggs, I do love Myers-Briggs as, a, as a, an initial step for people to take. And if any of your listeners haven't done it, <clears throat> I would recommend just going on to 16personalities.com. Because what, what that'll show you is sometimes you underappreciate the strengths that you've got that come naturally. So when you look at the, the, what I do for my entrepreneurs, I don't actually class myself as an entrepreneur. Because for me, they are the ones that are going to go out there and take the opportunities and the risks and build that big thing. What I do for them is I build the, often say to them that you build the castle in the sky and I'll put the foundations in underneath it. 
because <laughs> when yeah. they're going out and taking all of those opportunities, that gets you so far on the journey in my experience. And then things are just a bit too chaotic. Like the team don't really know exactly what's going on and what the narrative is and, you know, what's today's strategy almost. So it's about understanding those different combinations. And when I worked with, so I worked with like over 300 entrepreneurs. That's a lot. I, like how yeah. do you run that playground? <laughs> yeah, That's well, it was, it, was, it was quite light touch. Um, and this is when I recognized the ones that I really do enjoy uh, working with. So if we were staying with the, the Myers-Briggs types, there's a particular type that I like to work with, which is called an ENTP. Okay. What that what that type is is extroverted, so they're they're really outgoing, they're big picture, and one of those dimensions, that P dimension, is to do with almost like living in the moment. Like they're super adaptive, uh, they're always looking for opportunities, and they you know they can take them, and they draw people towards them because they've got this um, charisma about them. But then, like I say, it, it, things start to you know you can only spin so many plates before it just starts to collapse around them. So it's, it is about putting the, the structure in place. But the reason they're so exciting for me is that when they are going out and taking those opportunities, if, when I'm coming behind them and putting that structure in place, it gives them a platform to look at the bigger problem and then the next thing and then the next thing. I mean, it's for, for me, a lot of the what I spend my time doing is, is focusing the entrepreneurs on yeah. what is actually the problem that we should be solving here. Because they, they like their mind wants to solve the now problem. But it tends to be, right, that's solved and we'll move on to the next thing. Rather than that's solved and it'll, that solution will actually last longer than a day and a half before we need to solve that problem again. Um, so it, it's really about that, the depth of understanding of, and self-awareness that you have around your own style and who you need around about you. Yeah. And it's so true. Like I didn't really even understand, um, what foundation meant. Like you got to feel, you got to build a foundation before you build a house. And if you build your house on, uh, no foundation and it's just like some dirt, your house is going to fall. It's going to crumble. Mm. And like, I don't know if you all experienced tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes in Scotland. Do you, have you ever been through any of those things? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm aware they exist. I've seen, I've okay. seen some movies about them, but yeah, we, we don't get them. Yeah. You're lucky. And <laughs> so I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, what is God doing to our freaking earth? And, um, you know, it's like, there's enough challenges going on, but then you have things that are completely out of your control, like mother nature and coming through and a tornado just wipes out your, you know, three businesses that you have. And then yeah. a week later, um, COVID-19 happens and then mm. the president shuts down the whole effing world. And, sure. you know, a lot of listeners, um, that listen to business unveiled and thanks ladies and gentlemen, um, they are creatives and we mm. don't plan for these shit storms <laughs> that come through. I mean, yeah. I know that this is the third recession I've been through and I didn't plan for any of it, but I will say that the mindset and having the right mindset and the like survival mode mindset of I'm not going to go back and get a job because I'm mm. unemployable. Um, sure. I am, I got to figure out the next thing. And like, mm. what is that? 
And so we have so many available resources to us now as entrepreneurs where, again, 20 years ago when I started, social media didn't exist. Like I went to the library and I actually don't even like books. (laughs) So it's like, we didn't even have the internet at home. I mean, I'm like, people are like, oh, you're aging yourself. I'm like, I love that. (laughs) The older I get, the more experienced I get, the more I learn, the more knowledgeable I am, the more people respect what I'm telling them. And, um, but I'll say like, instead of going back and like getting a master's and a doctor and all that, Mm. like, what are your thoughts on like, going to these conferences and going, like I've noticed over the last few years, like we invest quite a bit of funding for, to further our education. But for example, we'll go to like a week long Facebook expert conference where we come out Facebook certified, or we'll Mm -hmm. go to Google and we'll come out Google certified. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think (laughs) they make so many changes. And so every year you have to get a new certification. Sure. Um, but what are your thoughts on people that do that versus, um, you know, going the, the hard knock life, just learning from life or, or versus like really going back to college and, and getting another piece of paper? What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, I, w- I would say formal education is how to stay. Um, you know, fair, look, fair play for anybody who wants to do that. But even when I was there doing psychology stuff, you know, it's, it's so out of date. Um, like the, the world's moving too fast for that. The challenge that I think exists sometimes in those week-long conferences and stuff is that a lot of the times my entrepreneurs don't go to those because it's so hard oh. to put it into context. Yeah, You know, that you can go and you can learn about something or other, maybe not week-long, but you know, sort of workshops and things like that. Yeah, It's like another thing for them to learn and their minds actually aren't particularly attuned to that. You know, if I, I changed my business model because a lot of the time I was trying to teach them about, you know, here's how you think strategically. And actually, they just couldn't do it. I remember actually when I was listening to one of your other um, podcasts and you're talking about the, the numbers and you didn't yeah. like the numbers. Like you need to know those numbers at a particular level. But yes. trying to teach you to know them at the deep level that somebody else in your business needs to know them at just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm always talking to my entrepreneurs about who's the, the person that you need round about you, not just skill set, but mindset. You know, if you are that um, creative splash and dash person, like leverage that, but get the person who's got the detail in. Don't try and do too many of those things. Um, you really need to understand how to play to your strengths. How do you leverage them to get out of situations? It's interesting when you say about the creative mindset as well, that, what what I often see holding them back is that they don't often don't believe that their work is like finished or good enough. I mean, that's not, a, you know, it's a bit of a sweeping generalization, but they just don't realize how amazing they are. But I don't, I right. don't have that creative ability um, because I, I like structure and I like the focus and there's a right and a wrong way to do things. You know, yep. that's, that's what provides uh, my clients the benefit of that. They, they need that, the structure. It was interesting with creatives about the, the ability that they've got and just getting it out there and, um, you know, and iterating from there rather than hanging on to things and perfectionizing over them or worrying what the, the world's going to think. I appreciate it's tough, though, because for a lot of creatives, it is about bearing your soul. You know, it's about this is what I am at my core. Um, but if you can get over the, the hump of it really doesn't matter what everybody thinks 
you know, you're always going to, you should have detractors. Otherwise, you're not really doing anything of any meaning. You know, if everybody's lukewarm to you, then, meh. You know, you, you want to have some, Boring. you take a position. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's an important thing, I would say, in a, a creative's mindset about, like, take a position. And once you crack that thing of not caring what everybody thinks, um, it's amazing how free, the, you know, they, they feel and how much they move on from there. So how do you choose the, which I know what that means. So like in the, in true colors, um, which is actually half of made up of Myers Briggs, the mother and the daughter actually helped create this in like 1978. Mm -hmm. I only remember the year because I'm not a numbers girl, but I I've learned to know my numbers in business to know if we're profitable or not, because it helps me say no. (laughs) And so I'm like, no, we can't do that. We're going to lose money and I'm not working for free over here. Um, I mean, I'll just go work at the Apple store. (laughs) No, it's like, or Chick-fil-A. Do y'all have Chick-fil-A in Scotland? Do you know what that is? And no. Oh my gosh. It's like a upscale chicken fast food kind of restaurant, but their customer service is incredible. Um, I think they're mainly in the, in the United States, but they have like amazing chicken and amazing sauces. And so a lot of people, they're like, I'll just go work at Chick-fil-A. And, and I mean, total squirrel moment, but like in Atlanta, in the United States, they have Chick-fil-A school where entrepreneurs and business owners can come. I think it's like another week long thing, but they basically go through and teach their best practices of, so every time a franchisee opens a new Chick-fil-A, it's just like the McDonald's model. I mean, you guys have McDonald's, right? Um, But Chick-fil-A's food is definitely a lot better for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I would never, you, I couldn't, I wouldn't work at McDonald's. Like that's just me because it's just so bad for you. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would definitely go to Chick-fil-A and their um, mindset around customer service and how Mm -hmm. they um, teach the the public to work with them. And so they specialize in employing kids, like high school kids. And that's Mm -hmm. like, literally they teach the kids how to have the mindset of like, if you say thank you, they always say, um, it's my pleasure. Like everything Mm -hmm. is positive. They, you will never hear anyone at Chick-fil-A say no problem. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's such a negative, no problem. Like you're not causing a problem, (laughs) you know? So it's like, you don't think about these things until you actually start to like, listen to these other businesses who have psychological data on what drives their customer service. So I'm always like looking at other companies and, you know, how people are, are successful and how they're growing and how they're scaling. Um, But in True Colors, like we work with a lot of orange people Typically in that realm, we find that you attract the type of people that, you know, you are, um, but I have other people surrounded that are the different personalities that can help us get to our end goal. And so how do you pick the entrepreneurs like that you're going to work with? Like, are you like, oh my gosh, you're the most scattered person ever. You need me. So you're a good client for me or like. How, what does that process look like? How do you choose? So the stage the business is at is more important to me than the sector. So they have to have some um, team in there. It's typically sub 15, between five and 15. They have to be in the marketplace because, well, one thing is start, startups don't have any money, but I'm not actually best suited to that because they're still moving around and pivoting and there is no, there is no certainty. Like the mindset of the entrepreneur at the start, 
where you're taking an idea from nothing to something, you have to be like very adaptive. Like that P thing has to be really strong um, because your whatever your plan is at the start is wrong. Like it's gonna change. Um, you have to be prepared to be wrong and have a, a thirst for learning rather than for being right. Um, but when they get to that point, like I'd said, where they've got the team and that their that P element is starting to cause chaos behind them, then that's when they need me. They have to appreciate that that's what's going on and that they want to they want to address it and realize that they are part of that problem. Um, so I don't, I'm never an, an employee for anybody. You know, we do contract that this is what's going to happen and that we're going to focus on creating the structures, the strategy, the culture, all the stuff that's going to help your business to actually grow up. So the, the contracting with me has to be, this is what we're going to do. Um, and you have to be prepared for, not necessarily, it's not like making a fundamental change in who they are, but it is a fundamental change in how they're running the business. Um, so that's really key for me that that's what they want um, because I'm not a yes man. I am quite direct. I am. I can be quite abrupt with them. But again, this is what they're signing up for. And it, it is a willingness to go deeper into their own mindset about who they are, who they want to become, how they are getting in the road of this business becoming the thing they want it to become. So it's really contracting that it's about you know we're here to develop the strategy develop the roadmap the way you're doing it we, we need to change that and you have to understand that you are part of the problem but if we get these things right then like I say we, what we're going to do is give you the platform to go up to the next level and you won't feel like you're wading through treacle every day so the stage is really important and the attitude of the entrepreneur is critical yeah, and I totally understand 100% what you're saying. Now, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have known in what you're talking about because I wasn't there yet. My mindset, mm -hmm. my business wasn't there yet, but we're very similar in that most of the clients that we work with um, on the marketing and digital marketing side of like how they're spending their marketing dollars and where's the ROI coming from. And sure. we don't get, um, we don't work well with ground level people who have no data or no experience. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. The first time people, they don't understand. And mm. so God sends us the shit storms. And I actually love that because we're going to be honest with them and flat out tell them mm. that the data and the numbers, we let the audience and the consumers decide and that's much more powerful and then that we build a strategy around that and then that's how we decide how to spend the marketing dollars and so for the sure. people that have nothing and like you said they're brand new um you know i'm not really the foundation person because mm -hmm. most of the people like they're in a world of hurt like they know that they need to change and, uh, and you're so right. Most entrepreneurs we work, <laughs> we work with, it's like, they're the problem. <laughs> it's like, you're going to have, like, you're paying me like a consultant. Like you, are you going to listen? Are you not going to listen? Like, sure. what, you know, what don't you understand? And, but I find that they are more open because they're feeling that pain 
of mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I can keep going if I don't make a change. And so mm-hmm. it, you also become not only like a strategic expert and a mindset expert, it's like you're a freaking psychologist, therapist, like getting them sure. through it sometimes, um, you know, which is what we totally sign up for. But so tell us like when you work with entrepreneurs, because we both know it's not just about the money, because if it was like, no. Some of us, um, like I could probably go be a, when Steve Jobs was alive, I'm like, I really want to be this, the chief marketing officer at Apple. Like that was in my head for some reason. And then it's like, but why would I limit myself to one brand? I mean, I love Apple because it's helped me make, make my business so much more productive. And I love teaching others how to use all their Apple products and back up all their stuff. But money's a tool and you have to have money to do business. But when you say like, it's just more about making money and it's really about the potential of the person and the team and the organization, like, sure. what does that mean? It means that mercenaries are the most boring people to work with. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the, the, any, people are doing it for the money. Like you, you have to be like money's got to be on the radar, right? You've, there's no there's no point in being entering into business and being a martyr. This is a real problem, actually, in the social enterprise sector. And I, I feel in um, Scotland at times that money becomes this um, dirty word, you know, and that oh, you, okay. what you've got to realize is like the so, uh, social enterprise is like a, a, a more, even more charitable form of a B Corp. You know, that it really is, is set up with a social aim at its core. But the more money you have, the more good you can do, you know. Um, and when I was in that sector totally. for a while, that was something that really, you know, it was really holding back people who could do amazing things that we try and do everything like as cheaply as possible and on these razor thin margins so that if there is a blip anywhere, they were bust, you know, because everything was just on such thin ice all the time in terms of the money. But the mm-hmm. people that I'm working with, um, yeah, it, it, it's not about that. Like they, what they want is to create impact. It's a strange one because you have to have a certain level of, everyone's got a certain level of ego and um, they, they, they have to have that. And sometimes actually what I end up doing is deconstructing that a little bit because they get on this journey and if you are somebody who makes it through startup, then there are people around who will kind of fawn and put you on that pedestal. They will have perhaps hired people who are not A players because they couldn't afford them, which kind of feeds into the, the, that entrepreneur being the oracle and at the epicenter and having to make all the decisions. And sometimes that's not like a conscious, well, very often that's not a conscious narcissism. It's conditioning. It's like if you look at the extreme example of Elon Musk, uh, who I love, by the way. I'm, I'm glad yeah. Elon Musk is kicking about. But um, when he was saying things like, you know, I, I need to be the chairman and the CEO, and if somebody better comes along, then, you know, I'll, I'll gladly give up the position, but I haven't met them yet. I mean, that's that's massively egotistical. But you can't help it because he's, if you think about the how your mind ends up getting wired and how your synapses are fusing together... If every day is tell it's people are telling you that you're a demigod, like yeah. at some point that is going to fuse in your head, you know, and this is this is part of the challenge for the entrepreneurs on that journey of <coughs> you feel that you have to have all the answers because that's what's been expected of you all the way through to this point. But at the inflection point that I'm I'm dealing with them at, 
it's the change to go. You need people around who are better than you at the things that you're asking people to do. Um, and that can be quite a hard shift in terms of letting go, in terms of truly delegating. I remember I asked one of the entrepreneurs who said, oh yeah, I'm great at empowering my people. I said, okay, so tell me what the last three decisions were that the team wanted to do that you disagreed with, but you let the team go ahead and do them. And there wasn't any. So how are you empowering those people? You know, if every decision right. is still ultimately coming through you, and they could be wrong, but look, you got things wrong on that entrepreneurial journey. Like that some of your best lessons are where you get it wrong. So there is this, there is this shift that happens um, in terms of the, the mindset and the thinking. And this is why I was kind of saying about the courses. Of course, you've got to keep upskilling yourself. But at some point, it's going to be about the people. Like you're, you're not truly a leader for me unless you are leading people. Um, and I think that's, this is where you really do need to understand your leadership style and how you might be getting in your own road and that you don't have to have all the answers. I mean, that's another sort of thing to snap in people's minds that you don't need to have all the answers. Um, and you need to find people that are better than you and adopt this learner mindset. That's the only way that you can get up to your next level. Yeah, and I will say like, there's been times in my career where I constantly, like I wanna be the stupidest girl in the room and I wanna learn, um, but I will say uh, to be exact, over the last few years in learning how to do sales funnels and digital marketing, We've worked with six different consultants who know what they know, but they, what I've realized is they did not know how to teach and lead with the foundation. And sure. so what sure. it created was a big mess. And then mm -hmm. I decided, okay, I'm going to get in here and learn how to do this stuff because mm. I'm tired of the next consultant saying that the last consultant was terrible <laughs> and I should have yeah. done it this way. Yeah. Um, and the final straw for me, for me was when we were in our CRM and, you know, we take, um, a lot of, we take money from a lot of different resources and, um, I noticed some things missing, which I don't often pay attention to those number things. Cause there's money there, you know, we're working yep, and, yep. and I found that the consultant was basically stealing and he tried to say, Lovely. Oh, I'm so sorry. That should have been routed to this account, but that was accidentally. And I was like, I know I'm blind, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> and like, how do you sleep at night, dude? And that's, yeah. I was like, I'm done, you know, with all these people, I'm going to learn how to do this. And so it's like, but I had to feel that pain and go through six different people and spending probably over $100,000 and paying other people to yeah. really uh, understand. So now when we, when we outsource and hire people, they're not going to throw a fast one over me because yeah. I, I, it's not a good use of my time, but I at least need to know a little bit and how to do some of it so mm. that you don't get taken advantage of. Um, sure. and, and it's, it's sure. actually made me a harder, I have much thicker skin now and I've learned how to fire fast. And before, mm -hmm. you know, women aren't good at that <laughs> because we just want to try to develop and make things better. And now I'm just like, screw that. Like, mm -hmm. you know what you're doing, you're taking advantage and like, I'm done, move on. And like, mm -hmm. and that's okay. Um, and I feel like, you know, a lot of women listen to this podcast. And so what are your thoughts? Like if you're, an, if you're working with some of your entrepreneurs and talking about their team 
And do you come in and assess their team and, and help them see sometimes they have on like beer goggles and it's like, why are you leaving? Why are you keeping these people around? Like, is that something foundational that you help them see that they have the right team or they don't have the right team? hundred percent massive. It's massive. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about the team and it's about how you empower them as well. Um, and who are the A players? You know, if we're looking at people and, um, the, there's a there's a, a chart from Gazelles, which is a yeah. sort of scaling organisation, um, and it looks at productivity against values. So where where are those people? You know, people that are high on productivity but low on values are actually very risky for your company because the temptation there is to keep someone on because they get through a power of work, but actually they're poisonous in your company because they don't share the values. You know, they, they can feel like they're rogue. Then you've got the people who are high on values but low on productivity. So can you actually move those people along? You know, those are those are the ones that typically we look at, well, can this person get up to that next level? What is their what is their what does their narrative look like? You know, when we create the strategic roadmap, which is very often missing, you know, there's usually a, a vision mm-hmm. point and a now, but the strategic roadmap and the narrative just don't exist. And it's my job to pull them out of the entrepreneur's head. But then we're looking at the team and going, well, looking at this roadmap, what's the narrative for the team? You know, wh- where do they fit in this story? Where do they see themselves in this story now that, you know, we've, we've got the roadmap down and, and they can tell that narrative? And if they can't step up, then they're, they're not, they're not going to make it. And it's actually a lot more cruel to keep them on because they, they'll constantly kind of come up as like, oh, yeah, there's still a problem or... And it doesn't set a good example. You know, it just doesn't set the right culture. So we absolutely evaluate um, what's happening with the team. But it's about the, the, the next objective. You know, if you look at a strategic roadmap, I often talk about something called a peak point. So you've got, you've got now and you've got your vision point. But for most entrepreneurs, the, the narrative between those two points does, just doesn't make sense. Like it's too, there are too many gaps in it. You know, I can see where it is. The, the vision makes sense as it stands alone. But when you're actually talking about now to there, it's, it's too woolly. An example would be a, a travel company that I work with. The vision was to be, you know, a global player in the market that we were in. And, mm-hmm. you know, okay, we get that. It makes sense. But we couldn't really see beyond the UK market in terms of our customer acquisition costs, in terms of how you deliver, the culture, what those, the nature of those customers are, how they buy, how we take care of them. So the whole focus became a peak point of being the UK's number one. And then everybody understood that narrative. But when you were talking about a narrative that was global, we're like, well, which country are we going to first? What are the labor laws in France? Can we franchise in America? And you start asking all these questions that are irrelevant and can't mm-hmm. be answered. So we put this peak point and it's like a milestone, but it's, it's more a, a rally point for the, the strategy of the business. It's definitely something that your listeners might want to consider doing is I get the vision, you know, but typically you want a peak point in there, which is how far can you actually tell that narrative to? And then who is the team that is going to get there? And you can start to see where the gaps occur. There's a great, um, I don't know if you've heard of the Alliance by Reid Hoffman, but the Alliance mm-hmm. is about when you, what Reid recognized in Silicon Valley was that 
it wasn't enough to pay people more money because then you got mercenary software developers who would just move from place to place. It also didn't matter if you had, you know, the best ping pong table or smoothie machine or whatever other perk. You know, we grow our own fresh guava in this office, whatever the thing was. With vodka. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. We distill our own vodka in, this, in, the, in the huts out the back or whatever. You know, those perks, Silicon Valley perks, it wasn't what was pulling people in. It was a recognition that people have got their own visions. So how do you, the high performers have their own visions. So how do you align your vision and the company vision and say, well, how do we create a win-win here? So it's not about you're my employee. It's like, we've got an alliance. You've got a mission in life. We've got a mission for this company. Where is this overlap and how do we create a a win-win? With the understanding at some point that you might well leave us. Um, But while you're here, you'll give your best because it's improving your life and improving this company. It's a really interesting way of looking at developing your people. Uh, and it shows that you care about them and, and their lives as well, seeing that, asking that question. I mean, how, how many people out there who've got a team know exactly what their team want to do? What's their team's personal vision for their own life? Have they asked that question? Yeah, and what I've also seen with that type of mindset is that if you give your team members the opportunity to offer their ideas, then they start to be more comfortable in thinking in a proactive way. Mm -hmm. And if you just have a bunch of doers and you're closed off and you don't want to listen to how you can be better, then you're exactly right. Like, how are you going to grow? And yeah, I've noticed that in, um, we have an internship program with, uh, kids that are in college and I've noticed, you know, I used to think like you're either born proactive or you have no clue <laughs> and you can't okay. teach proactiveness. And so I've tried really hard over the years to develop, help other kids like develop their own thinking skills mm-hmm. of how can this procedure or process or event go better Mm -hmm. And, um, it really forces them to think a different way. And so the more that you can help them exercise whatever part of the brain that is, the more they're going to bring to your company and help you. Otherwise, if you're just throwing out like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and there's no thinking, they're just a doer, then they don't often feel as though they are part of something because they're just Mm -hmm. a doer. So I've seen that in my own business as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of little things around that, just that if you're the leader, speak last, you know? Um, get everybody, get everybody's sense check in the room, uh, get their opinions first, and then you speak, you speak last. Uh, the other thing I would say is that you don't have to lead every meeting. You know, think, just have some facilitation rules in, and then somebody else does it, and you're sitting off to the side, you're a participant. It's really worth thinking about what your identity is uh, in a lot of the interactions because the job of the leader is to ensure there is leadership. It's not about leading all the time. You know, if you were the CEO of a company and everyone was on a jet and you you crash on a desert island and somebody knows a bit more about survivalism than you do, then your job as a leader is to give that person the tools to lead in that situation, you know, to make sure that they they feel that they, they can lead that that team in that moment 
So it's really worth thinking about if you're the one that's always setting the agenda, if you're the one that's running the meeting, bringing people in, facilitating all the time, it's time to sort of switch that up. So I would encourage the leaders to think about speaking last. And another interesting one is to stop saying no because and start trying to say yes if. So an example would be if somebody had a new idea for a marketing strategy, for example, and you're, um, you know, maybe you've, you've seen that before and you're like, no, we, we won't do that because we tried that three years ago and this happened. If you change that thinking to, okay, well, yes, we can do that if you show me other companies that that has worked for and you bring me a budget and uh, a measure of success for the next 30, 60, 90 days, then we'll do it. So it just encourages that. people to be more empowered and to think about bringing ideas and to think ideas through. Because as soon as you go no because, that's it. So the idea is shot down. And if you give no because to three, four, five ideas in a row, that the ideas are gonna stop coming. Um, so that, uh, again, I think that's a really, it's a really good mindset shift to just go, yeah. well, yes, we can do that if you can provide this evidence. I love that. That's awesome. I, I need to start thinking that way too. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but it's easy. Um, sometimes, you, you know, it's back to that thing of going that entrepreneurs can feel they are, they're conditioned to be the Oracle because they think that, you know, people are looking up to me and I've always had to do this. And it's unpicking that thinking to constantly be going, how do I empower you? How do I empower you more? And you've got to have the, you know, the, what's good about the Alliance agreements is that, the, the person themselves is saying, I want to become this person. You know, I want to develop that skill, not the, the, the boss going, you need to develop this skill. Now, you, you might have to do that in certain circumstances, depending on what the business needs. But the more they are saying, this is what I want, well, the more it's on them and the more um, they get that opportunity to prove that, you know, they're going to become the person that they want to be. It's ownership of their own development. And don't get me wrong, like, there's a lot, there is still a lot of people out there that just, I don't know, I, I, I just can't understand what the mentality is. You know, the mentality of, I just want to turn up and do as little as possible uh -huh. and then and, and still get the money and go home. Like, I, I can't, yeah. I just, honestly, I can't explain that. I think there are a lot of good people that are misaligned and they mm -hmm. should be in other environments where they could thrive. But I do believe there's a, a, a section of, other people out there that I just I can't I just can't connect with you I can't understand that outlook on life but when you start to do the the empowerment pieces like just like those little tweaks alliance agreements speaking last yes if you can see people really come through and start to shine yeah I love that this was so helpful thank you so much Joe like you're awesome if people want to follow you or reach out to you because they need an, a mindset expert what's the best way for them to get in touch with you so i've um i'm on linkedin uh joe trodden i put quite a bit of content there my website i've actually renamed to josephtrodden.com because what i realized was people were actually buying me rather yep. than a business so um, yep. yeah, it was just like, let's not hide behind a business name anymore. Like what people are coming to this business for is you. It's actually quite uh, liberating. There's, there's a, a creative, just cause we're talking about creatives. There was a, yeah. a videographer who's doing the same thing. Um, and he just changed it to his name because this is what people were buying. And yeah. it actually allowed him to then express just like I'm doing 
like this is my outlook this is me as a person and what i think and what i feel uh, and how i can help personally so yeah josephtrodden.com i love it and we'll put it in the show notes and yeah it's funny like we have the business site, gsdcreative.com, and then we've got angelaprofit.com, and you know we mm-hmm. get analytics on both. And I've tried over the years. I think I've changed my business name like five or six times, like legally, and <laughs> I, because I never want it to be about me or my name. Like it's not about me. It's about the team and the people. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, everybody knows, I mean, I, I grew up in this community and so they're like, oh, just reach out to Angela and then she'll take care of it. And, you know, then I'll, I'll delegate and outsource and build a team for people, but they're typically going to my name. And so it's hilarious because we've been watching the analytics over the years and I keep like getting these different business names. And I think I've finally learned that like, it's not about having a business name. It is people coming to an expert and then it's yep. up to us on how we field and delegate and build the team. So sure. that's, um, that's awesome. I love your website. It's great. I love how you are specifically targeting like the visionary entrepreneurs because really that's every entrepreneur. They have a vision. They just typically don't know how to get there. So I love what you're doing. Um, but thank you so much for your time. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening today. You had lots of takeaways and lots of nuggets. Be sure to visit josephtrodden.com if you want to reach out to Joe and learn how to build a better foundation in your business. I hope everybody are, has a great day. <laughs> quick, quick plug at the end, I yeah, guess. But there's, there, totally. are, there, are, there are free courses that are on there that will introduce you oh. to cognitive style that will give you some of the foundations of um, strategy some strategic principles it's just to help people to see because often you don't know what you don't know so it just opens the door to go you know here are some extra things that I need to be thinking about Um, so yeah and they're they're completely free that's amazing I, I see that on here. I love the, um, like the map for the entrepreneurial growth, like the mm. ideas and the startups and the no man's land. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's where I get them. No man's land. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is so wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everybody have a great day and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of business. Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye everybody. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders. And be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. And you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask, and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore, and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.